0: From March 2020, everything just speeded up. Decision-making, all the processes that you could engage with, consultations and, you know, engage with your MLAs and your MPs, and stuff. by the time you got to engage, the decisions were really, moved on to something else. Yeah. So we're we're at a crisis point now with this issue of the vaccine passports. And, um, you know, we're you only, you only have days to react.
1: There's enough broad strokes to go. Well, I mean, second, when you have so many political leaders all saying the same thing, build back better, when you have so many other things lining up, when has that ever happened before?
2: And across the board, we've seen medical regulators absolutely fail us. We've seen uh, the legal system not come to our rescue. We've seen the police not come to our rescue. We've seen the education system not come to our rescue. So whilst we oppose and we strive to make our voice heard, at the back of my mind I'm thinking, this is pretty serious now, based on that
1: each department of government and each minister is a corporation they have rules they have charters and if they break those they can be dissolved by the people
0: but I think things are just so serious now <laughs> that to ignore what is happening is just such a dereliction of your duties
1: you know we can look back in history even people who are still alive today who live through the the pogroms and who live through what the Nazis did and are saying this reminds us of what happened to us.
0: And yet, even when they were put on the trains and they were going to the camps, they thought it was all going to work out.
1: The only reason why in this part of the world we have a semblance of the freedoms that we have is because previous generations fought and stood up. It's it's getting to that point of getting people to stop being so afraid of making decisions.
0: Actually, this is a dividing line for believers. You have got to take a stand.
3: Well good evening everybody and welcome to the second part of the emergency broadcast God or Government part 2, Who's Calling the Shots? I'm your host for this evening, Russell Batten and I'm delighted that we all could be here tonight and I just want to say a quick word to Andrew Heron who was with us last time cannot make it tonight, he is not a very well man so we just hope and pray that he recovers swiftly. Um, So welcome all around the table tonight, we're just going to let fly with some questions that some people have put into us and then we'll free flow for about an hour or so so welcome all wesley paul and jonathan wesley if you want to kick off give people kind of a two or three minute introductions to who you are what you're bringing to the table tonight.
0: okay thank you russell yeah it's great to be here with you all this evening and uh yeah my name is wesley mitchell i'm currently the chair Co- Co- coordinator of liberty northern ireland um we are a group of concerned mainly Christians uh, who have come together to really fight on the issues of freedom and liberty uh, in terms of uh, freedom of speech and also um, freedom of assembly and freedom to voice just a different opinion and, and certainly that is something that has been a, a real big challenge over this last um, year and a half beyond. Um, my background is I've been involved in church work for the last um, 17 years Um, I was involved in a church fellowship plant in Scotland for around uh, 10 years and then came back to Northern Ireland Um, I have seven kids and uh, yeah we're all homeschoolers and uh, yeah so it's a busy household and uh, yeah we just wanted to do what God has for us to do and um, I suppose this last uh, year and a half being very much involved in pro-life work in Northern Ireland, particularly with the change in the law, mm. and that has brought us into other areas of political dis- discourse. So it's it's really good to be here tonight and to uh, to be talking about these issues. Right. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, very
3: welcome. Bestie.
1: Well, I'm, I'm Bestie, manager of health store, and just general all-round controversial fringe figure. Mm. <laughs> um. That's all really to say with that.
2: Okay, fair enough, Jonathan. Hi there, thank you, Russell. Um, my name is Jonathan Weissman. I'm a full-time cybersecurity professional, and for the last few months, I've been um, part-time independently studying uh, all aspects related to uh, COVID-19 and the uh, injections that are available. Um, to that end, I've founded a website called AllTheRisks.com, where I've uh, documented my research and I've started to uh, do some videos as well. and recently spoke at the Emergency Health and Truth Summit actually held here in Northern Ireland. Aside from that I also have uh, a very deep passion to understand the Word of God, especially the apocalyptic scriptures which I think are very important for the current times. That's me.
3: Very good, thank you very much Jonathan. Okay well we've got about an hour tonight so let's get cracking with the first question, let's get dig straight in. Um, Does the Bible give examples of civil disobedience or protest against the authorities? If you can think of any references there as to uh, why we could or should be following scripture as you know to for civil disobedience please jump in
1: absolutely jesus straight off the bat because <laughs> people forget the pharisees and sadducees were the political parties as well as the religious sects of the day so no better example than that and we see obviously paul as well and um, being a roman citizen again advise people to follow
2: and honour the government up to the point where it started to infringe upon what God had said. So, uh, and I think that's key. It's up to a point. The example I come back to in the Old Testament is is Daniel and the Hebrew friends. You think of Daniel, well placed and respected in in Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. So he was there working for a wicked king, and that was okay for the moment. But when it came to uh, you know paying uh, his due to the wicked king. And, and bowing down in worship and and violating the first two commandments, it was an absolute red line. And I think to me that speaks to the current time quite a bit. Hundred
1: percent, yeah. And again, it wasn't. People would consider it not that unreasonable. Sure, just just bow down. You'd, right. You'd just you know, it's not, not asking a lot of time, not asking a lot, of, you know, money, or it's not asking you to do anything to anyone else. But again, it was a line that he wouldn't cross
2: against his God. Right. And thinking about the current times, it's it's just certain things, it's just one or two uh, differences, changes recently.
3: I think a lot of people have drawn those parallels. They said if you go back in time, it, it's, you, know, you You did it, you said it well, it's just this, and, and Shane did a very good uh, main podcast on this one, said, look, it's just this. It's just for three weeks. It's mm. it's just a little bit longer. Mm. It's just a small jab. It's just to flatten the curve, it's just, and it's slowly, slowly tiptoeing in, so there's that parallel in history yeah. and we know where that leads us well we know a lot of people can't see it why do you think they can't see it what do you think's going on with uh, this you know there's almost uh there's a blockage
1: like we said the last time fear and, and people fear what other people think of them and what other people say much more um, and as i said before they fear of maybe giving a bad impression of what the church is like the fear of you know They come up with all these excuses of, oh, you know, we don't want to upset things, don't want to rock the boat, don't want to... And yet, that's the whole point of... uh, To call out those things that aren't right is going to upset the boat and is going to offend people. You're not intentionally trying to, but that's the nature of, if you're trying to stand up for something that's true, those are the the consequences. And a lot of people just don't want to bear that because they don't like the comfort... They don't like the comfort confrontation but they they don't really like the hassle easy life yeah that's what i find a lot of people have said to me even when they wear the mask and go i know it's not it's nonsense but i just wear it because i can't be annoyed with the hassle
0: Mm. Mm. yeah i think i think a, a a lot of responsibility has to lie at the you know the feet of the pastors and the ministers and the clergy They are really the role model for God's people. uh, uh, And they really set the tone for for church life and for Christian life. People look to their pastor, their minister, what are they saying? And and certainly, I think certainly over this last year and a half, when we have seen how the clergy have responded to the pandemic, we have just seen fear. We have seen capitulation. We have seen no faith. uh, We have seen um, confusion, darkness. And, and, and folks, uh, you know, folks' faith have just been devastated and shattered by by, by um, the fact I, I heard of a, a minister who was visiting um, some of his parishioners or some of his congregation and um, neighbours were watching as he, you know, he put on the, the mask and then he um, sanitised his hands and then put gloves on and then went to the door and pushed through a, a CD. And then did the whole process back in the car, and he was doing this once a week. And some of their non-Christian neighbors were saying, "Is this a man of faith?" And here he is preaching the gospel or seeking to preach the gospel in that community, and he he is terrified of, of going to a, a door <laughs> with a
3: CD. Well, in my mind, you know, when you're saying that, I have this picture of Jesus coming out of the car, sanitizing his hands, putting the pink you know, the blue gloves on, mm-hmm. put the, and going back and no just no he would not do that that's that's to me is a lack of faith it's the lack of leadership it's the way that the pastors ministers leaders of the church have just failed their congregation they have failed their flocks i'm generalizing i'm not attacking the church i'm generalizing but that's what i say
2: yeah, and I think what we've got is the critical mass within the church, within the West has gone a certain direction. It has gone the same direction as the world, by the way, and the uh, global thinkers who, who orchestrate uh, many of the things we're experiencing right now. And I think that's really key because it reminds me again, I always go back to 2000 years ago with Israel, the majority, the bulk went a certain direction. They did not go with the Lord, just like it didn't go with the prophets. It was only the minority that heeded the prophets, you know, it's the same thing today.
1: But it reminds me in Samuel where it says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Right. And yet the temple was gone, everyone was doing their thing, everything was looking outwardly as if, oh, this is a really, but it was rare. And there was very few actually listening and following. But they were doing all the externals. You know, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So it's we're, we're back to that point again where people love not their lives unto death. You know, the very thing, like I said the first time, the very thing that Christ came was to deliver people from the fear of death. Yes. Yet it's the very thing that's been used and leveraged against people. So they've, they've missed the whole wider context of some something you can't see, smell, taste. We'd like how the Roman Catholic Church did with the demons. Right. Can't see, smell, or taste them, but you better do this and take this holy water and pay this money. and do your, Because if not, you're going to die. And we're sort of back into that way of thinking again of if you don't do this, you're going to get get lost and cut out and terrible things are going to happen to you, you know.
0: I think for me, a scripture has been very much in my heart over this last number of years is that when Jesus says, when he comes back, will he even find faith on the earth? Yeah. And I, I, m- I remember growing up thinking, oh, that could never happen. There are so many churches, so many Christians here in Northern Ireland and generally across uh, Ireland and Britain but this last year and a half, as we have seen, just the devastation that and how quickly the churches capitulated, capitulated mm-hmm. to to government really diktat, fair. That scripture has been so heavy in my heart. Seeing, are there any true Christians left who are still the dis- true disciples of Jesus? Uh, and uh, that has been for me has been one of the shocking things. Is is just how how. As I see it, you know, there's been this sort of separation of the sheep and the goats. And maybe this is something all God is orchestrating, because, I mean, this is part of his plan. He wants to have a pure bride. <laughs> he is not going to have a, he's not coming back for a divided house. So, um, you know, in all of that, you know, God is at work. But I think it has been shocking and surprising that so many great Christian leaders that I've looked up to who have uh, exercised total fear and and um no discernment whatsoever, and um, sadly, sadly, it's um, it's uh, it's it's so prevalent, and and I think it has damaged the 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 lives of so many believers.
1: And as we've said, it, it's their reluctance and aversion even to even sitting down and discussing alternatives or other information. We only have to look at the Amish. You know, there's a real world example in multiple different states in multiple in a couple mm-hmm. of countries, in Canada as well as the United States mm-hmm. where they haven't followed the dictates, they haven't done any of it. And they, they're no worse off. In fact they're better off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it can't be a genetic thing. It can't be a locational thing. It can't be and when you're trying to bring up again the daily number of people that are suffering severe side effects from what they're getting in job wise the reluctance to even consider
2: that that's bigger than what they're saying. Yeah, and you look at the moral aspect to that. You look at the yellow card scheme, 1.271 million adverse reactions. Um, that, 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 are,
1: that are known? That are
2: reported, right? And we know about underreporting. That's so right. I think based on that, and when I hear Chris Whitty saying about adverse reactions, well, we can't prove it's from the jab. I mean, this is a complete and utter lie in terms of we we, we don't even have, in my opinion, genuine public health risk management anymore. And that's been my whole argument through the work I've been trying to do. Now, there are so many things that we've been told that are completely verifiably untrue or completely deceptive that when I look at it from a perspective of someone who's quite deeply informed, it's utterly shameful that the church is associated with all of these lies. Shameful, in my opinion.
3: Well then, my question would be, <clears throat> In the same way that Wesley and Liberty and I are um, desperately trying to get us to contact our MLAs and speak to them about the whole vaccine passport stuff, should we not be contacting ministers, preachers, leaders, and saying to them, "Please sit down and talk with us. Just, just talk."
1: Yeah, if you, know, you the,
3: can. The, people are getting hurt. You're leading them the wrong direction. Let's get together around the table and talk. Could we do that?
0: yeah no certainly I mean I, and I, I I think there are some really good courageous conversations starting to take place um in, in some churches where 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 ministers and pastors are are realizing that the narrative isn't isn't adding up and and there is a I think a slight dawning that something is wrong here I think there's another side to it where there's a lot of other pastors and ministers will not touch this because this is toxic because if there are people, Realise they have been wrong in this. Maybe they have been wrong in many other issues, and there's a there's an issue of integrity and credibility in terms of their leadership. Um, so. I certainly think, yeah, no, it's it's you know we need to be talking to to our pastors and ministers about this and 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 having conversations and 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 ask you know pointing them to good material to who which can you know educate and inform. I mean, this is really what a true Christian is: is someone who's educated, <laughs> someone who's informed about what they're talking about. That is the essence of what a believing person should be.
3: Yeah, and in addition to that, I would say. It's okay to make mistakes. It doesn't mean to say because you've made one mistake that everything you've done is a mistake. So in the way that we communicate this around the table now, and the way that we communicate this to church leaders, you may have made a mistake here. It doesn't mean to say that everything you've done in your past 20, 30 years as a minister has been a mistake. We think what you're doing now is a mistake. Let's talk, because that's what's missing. We said this last time on part one, the whole debate is missing. You know, and it's missing by design. So we've got to see that. And we've got to keep on and on and on of them.
1: And they're forgetting they're, they're being called to be priests and kings. And what was the duty of a priest? To differentiate, to distinguish between holy and unholy, clean and unclean, righteous and unrighteous. And they're not doing that.
2: Right. So so they're failing in their, you know, the basics. 100%. And even the aspect of being a shepherd as well. What does a shepherd do? Gives his life for the sheep. That's what the good shepherd is that's what jesus did for us and i look at it and think everybody knows when you're speaking out against the pharmaceuticals against the government it's not so comfortable and that's okay we don't mind doing it but isn't that principally the job of the pastors of the shepherds
1: it used to be but but what i find and used to annoy me two years ago when i worked in a christian bookshop a lot of the Sunday School prizes, and they would come in and get these books on on these old preachers and all these missionaries, and you know all the all the hardships they went through, and they're very happy to hold them up as oh these are bastions and pillars and these are examples, but they'll refuse to do it themselves. Right. You know, when they had you know Cramer uh, Thomas speaking out against the king of England at the time, and almost losing his life because he was telling him he was wrong. You know, they'll they'll trumpet that and go, oh, "Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that fantastic?" But They go, what did you do today? Oh, well, we live in different times. And, you know, they make all these excuses. And I'm like, right, okay.
2: Because until (laughs) you're on this side of it and you feel what it's like to be deceived, to have propaganda around you 24-7, you don't know how you'll react. Everyone thinks it's straightforward. It's easy. I wouldn't do that. Well, here's the problem. We don't know where this thing's going to head to. I can tell you categorically from looking to science, we already have a bunch of lies from the government and from the pharmaceuticals. this could be a lot worse very very quickly and so people need to make a decision do you want to come away from the lies right now or are you going to keep going because it's going to get i think far far worse absolutely
1: they've got momentum so they don't let that go so literally anything goes Um, and it doesn't matter how they get people from pillar to post (coughs) as long as they get them along the path of giving up their freedoms to give them more control
0: no, I think that's been shocking for me is just the speed of change that is happening. Certainly, you know, with what I've been involved in terms of fighting abortion, uh, things over years took really slow, took years to get changed. And then suddenly, from March 2020, everything just speeded up. Decision making, all the processes that you could engage with, consultations, and, you know, engage with your MLAs and your MPs, bits stuff By the time you got to engage, the decisions were really, you're moved on to something else. Mm-hmm. So. We're we're at a crisis point now with this issue of the vaccine passports, and um, you know we're you only, you only have days to react, yes. uh, and most churches um, by the time they get to consider it, it's it's already done and dusted, yes. and they're left then to actually implement the thing or decide then decide well we're going to disobey. Um Whereas you know what we're seeking to try and do is to, to, to get on top of the issue and, and engage before the decisions are made and to hold those who are making the decisions to account and inform them as to what is happening and what will happen if they continue down this way.-
3: Yes, but it's by design. you know, if you take the words of David Ike, you know, this has been a totalitarian tiptoe. They've been quietly just quietly just testing things out for years for decades. And now this time, where we're getting very close, a slam dunk they're just doing things so quick all the time i see us playing catch-up we're looking at situations and we're saying we need to do oh no it's too late it's done well this thing's coming we need oh it's too late it's happened
1: but this exposes the body of christ is a short-term thinking organization not a long-term thinking you know uh, and this is the problem they just are living for today or the the next week or to the next meeting or the next event they're not thinking long term, and they're not taking seriously being salt and light. Right. They, they, they've been brought up. Don't engage. You know that's the world system. You know we have nothing to do with that. You know we're just gonna, you know, be in trenches and holy
2: huddle ourselves away, and we'll be fine. And well, there seems to be what I've seen, not just the church but society. This uh, un undeniable optimism, even in the face of tyranny. It just says things have got to get better because the bulk have gone for um, this unprecedented pharmaceutical intervention it just has to work out because enough have gone for it but i can tell you from biblical history that's absolute nonsense it does not work like that in fact if anything as soon as i heard there was going to be a universal program with new technology first thing i thought was biblically wait a second this could be a catastrophe just based on nothing other than my understanding of biblical history understanding of noah's flood and the time of noah understanding of how israel has been when it's disregarded the prophets and, and many other instances throughout biblical history. And I think that's all it really is. It's a lack of ability to discern the times.
1: But we're, we're dealing with the case of the boy who's cried wolf too many times. Um, because of so much over the past 100 to 150 years of the end times, and this is it, and this is going to be all over soon, and so many of it turned out not to be. People went, yeah, right. I've heard this story before. like, well, yeah, cool and, story.
2: And, and you know what? As a cybersecurity professional, I tell people, what's the one thing uh, that's worse than a false positive, which is calling it ahead of time? It's a false negative when you don't call it, and that's exactly what I see amongst the apocalyptic Christian community. Very, very, very few people want to call it, and I'm saying, wait a second, this matches perfectly.
1: Well, they're afraid. They're afraid of being associate, you know, tainted by association with the crazies, with the people that got it wrong before. Because right. like, even people say to me, and when I say, look, this is the building, this is getting towards the mark of the beast, this is all prep for it. You know, right. and then I go. Well, if it's not, what do you think it looks like? You think it's just going to come out all of a sudden? Go here's the mark. Take it or not. You know, it's going to be a slow, gradual. People think it's going to be a great thing. It's going to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. So when I say, well, if if this isn't building towards that, tell me what do you think it looks like? Right. Tell me, tell me how you think it should come about. And they just look at you and you go, well, you know, you've got no answer.
3: Well, they'll say, well, it is what it is. God's in control, and just take a back seat and just relax yeah. because. We're gonna get raptured anyway, so why worry? worry? My Bible tells me not to worry. So why should I worry about it?
2: Absolutely, the other thing I see from the apocalyptic side is a lot of people, everyone has a different theory, right? So people tell me they have 30 different, 30 different people, 30 different theories. Yeah. And because their theory doesn't match the exact scenario they're going from, they say, this can't be it. And I'm thinking, because they say, oh, well, if you call it, you're really doing newspaper exegesis. You're trying to make uh, your theory fit the Bible. And I'm like, well, no one's gonna have it absolutely perfectly until it comes. You- Nobody really understood exactly what was going to happen to Jesus until it happened. Then they figured out, okay, he had to suffer before glory. It's a Roman cross. Nobody had all the pieces of the puzzle put together, hence why the apostles were struggling a bit, because it wasn't easy to figure it out.
1: Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Right. But again, there's enough broad strokes to go, hold on a second, when you have so many political leaders all saying the same thing, build back better, when you have so many other things lining up, when has that ever happened before? and this is where you keep saying to them well what do you think it would look like what how do you think it would come about that there would be a mark that people would have to use in order to buy or sell they'd they'd need a system that would work in every country to do that
2: right and now we have in all these western countries economic persecution coming in and nobody's you know or not many people are batting an eyelid and it's affecting bodily autonomy and you're like well that's the paradigm of the mark of the beast period
1: well, we look even at the life of Christ when we see examples of his life in other characters like Joseph and Abraham and so forth. We see, you know, examples and and sort of shadows of it. We see the same in this. You know, we can look back in history. Even people who are still alive today who lived through mm-hmm. the the pogroms and who lived through what the Nazis did and are saying this reminds us of what happened to us. I mean, they're flat out saying wake up when people say why did the jews take it because it was gradual it was a little bit of an inconvenience a little bit when you're not allowed to go here and you have to have this pass and you have to be separated and and they just constantly put up with it bit mm. by bit until they were backed into a corner and they, they couldn't run and they couldn't go anywhere else they couldn't even leave so when you have such clear examples of the past and for people in the body of christ to dismiss that as if, oh, that's a totally different circumstance. I'm like, really? It's trying to get people to engage in that and go, how is this any different?
0: Yeah, I, I think a big problem with a lot of Western Christianity is the fact that we have been really material Christians. Mm-hmm. We have been depending on our finances, on the good life, on good career. And, and all of this is just catastrophic <laughs> to come to terms with. Because you're saying, actually, your money's gonna be worthless. <laughs> All you're going to have is Jesus, and and it's time to reach the world for the Lord. Uh, and this is totally contrary to everything that they have built their lives upon, and even their churches are built upon. So I think we are just living in a huge denial of syndrome. Folks just want to deny this is happening, and they will just look for any other reason to try and and, and live in an non-real world and hope that maybe things will work out and maybe the government will get it right and maybe maybe things are not just so bad, but um, it's not.
3: <laughs> I had this conversation with somebody the other day and it's almost like there's an element of, well, okay, I can see we're going towards communism, etc. But you know, as long as I've got my house and my church down the road and my kids are going to school and I've got two holidays a year, then you know, at least we've got some sort of government in control. And that saves me having to think and plan and do things for myself. I'll let them do it. And I think that's symptomatic of we've been tiptoed into this for so many years and decades that people, like you say, are worried about stepping up and saying, "Hey, hang on a second, what's important to me now? That We're going down the wrong path here. We should be going down this path. But that means all this stuff over there is going to be jeopardised. My reputation and my property and... And in my church life, everything's going to be thrown up in the air if I go down this road. So I'll just keep my head down for a little bit longer in the hopes that all this works out. That's what I see happening.
1: Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's just people refuse to think that people are like that still to this day. Your human nature hasn't really changed that much.
3: People couldn't possibly be that evil. Surely not. Exactly that
1: kind of thing exactly and they just look at these things in the past as if that's an that's another time another world you know like we're so much more advanced now we're so mm. much more you know um cultured mm. and <laughs> respectful that that people are much more reasonable today i'm like
0: oh, really I, I think even when you look back to the second world war and the holocaust you know the holocaust just wasn't when the folks got to the camp <laughs> they had years of being excluded from society, they had their property taken away, they had their wealth taken away, they were removed from their jobs, they had their children taken away, they were forced to wear stars, and yet, even when they were put on the trains and they were going to the camps, they thought it was all going to work out. It showed and when, the and level. They
3: got right. Work makes you free. Yeah,
0: the level of deception, and and it's an innate thing. It's a human thing for people to want to believe in the better good. <laughs> But actually, if you don't see it from a faith perspective, to realize actually, it's all going one way. God has a plan.
2: Absolutely. And it, it goes back to the undying optimism that Jews in the 1930s, the middle class ones, said, we've never had it so good. Because what do they do? Exactly as you said, Russell, they judged by the material things they had. They looked at their wealth. They looked at their, uh, their children and, and the, the, their job, maybe if they had it. And they made a determination based on that. And when I talk to people today, it's quite similar, even within the church, even people who may be with us, but most people have a different interpretation of the times maybe to what I have. I I looked at it strategically and said, I need to speak up now because it says in the word of God that um, we won't have all the time. You know, work while it is day, for night cometh when no man may work. Now, I've tried to make this point a number of times to people that strategically, I believe the best thing to do for everyone is to go for it now and speak. Because I've said to people, in three months time or six months time, I may not have the same liberty I have now. I don't know how much time I have to do this. So I do it now, today, with urgency.
1: Well, as Christ said, who in building a tower doesn't first count the cost? Who doesn't first plan, doesn't first? And, and what are we building? You know, does it do any harm to look at the worst case scenario and go, well, maybe we should prep for that? And if nothing happens, well, then no no harm lost. You know, there's been no big deal. But what if it is? Then it's of immense value to have done that. But a lot of people like the five foolish virgins will flap about and then suddenly when it comes, there's not enough time. And they'll be going, oh, give us some of your oil. And and they'll be saying, well, why don't you go
2: and buy? Right. Now we risk, let's just say you risk the job right now. Well, in a year that might be you risk physical freedom. In two years time, that might be your life. That's how I see the situation. So to me, it's like, mm, I might as well risk everything now because I'm going to have to give everything up at some point anyway. The Lord says, you know, if you love me, you will give everything to me, absolutely everything.
1: But as Wesley as he says, people, people don't want to ad- admit that it could get that bad. They're always thinking, yeah, but we've been through bad times before, you remember the 70s, remember we got through that, remember that we got through that, this would be just the same. I'm like, yeah, but this was localized back then. This is international, this is a totally different circumstance and if anyone, if any people should know it should be people here. I mean even just recently there we had three years of no storming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people go, oh the government, the government looked after us, well they weren't even there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's getting to that point of getting people to stop being so afraid of making decisions.
3: That's a good point. I want to wrap up this segment by jumping to question 4 because it's a good way of just wrapping this up. It is clear that the mainline churches have capitulated to the scaremongering tactics of the government and its so-called experts. Have they lost all credibility as custodians and bearers of the message that alone can help people overcome fear?
1: Absolutely. Again, people don't understand the structure um, in which they live, they don't understand the boundaries. They don't understand that they're supposed to be serving us. That they should be getting directions from us. You know, we do get the people that we deserve. If we don't fill that vacuum, if we don't give direction, someone else will. And we see that it's coming from Westminster, it's coming from it's all it's all drama and theatre. It gives the impression that, oh yeah, we're here to serve you and we're here to listen to you and, and do what you want, but not really, because there's no real pushback. And it requires numbers and it requires people to understand there is actually in law remedy, there is actually things in place that we can use and do that just aren't being done. And again, what's the point of having these things if they're not used? They might as well not be there.
3: Examples being,
1: Examples being people don't realise that each department of government and each minister is a corporation. They have rules, they have charters, and if they break those, they can be dissolved by the people. But how many people know that? How many people know that they can put that in and go, you know, non-feasants, you know, malfeasance, you're, you're not doing what you were elected to do. We can
3: A very good point. And that malfeasance seems to be cropping up a lot, whether it's in the police force for not investigating these crimes that are being reported, whether it's the school principals who are allowing their property to be used, that's malfeasance in a public office once again and the, those crimes are, are going unpunished and, and not followed up by police.
1: And there is cases but, in case history for this too, you know, this isn't the first time. So th- this is what we're, we're trying to get people to realise.
3: We have a situation as of today where crimes, you know, because these are crimes, these are war crimes, these are crimes of genocide that we're witnessing. We have crime reference numbers from local police stations we now have an ombudsman communication that says the police acted properly by not investigating these because they didn't believe these were crimes and they pushed the people who were reporting the crimes back down to the health authority saying it's not our problem, go back to the health authority. And in fact, we're actually allowed to shred the evidence that you've just given us because we've now told you to go, you can't report it to us, it's not a crime in our eyes, and go go to the health authorities and we're gonna shred your documentation. And the ombudsman has said, yeah, we're fine with that. So my challenge is, where, how far do you go to get the remedy? Do you go to the top? Do you take the head off the snake? Do you use these um, lawful remedies with crimes against humanity to go to the top and say, you are now guilty of crimes of malfeasance in a public office. We the people will not stand for it. We are trying to protect Our fellow brothers and sisters, and our children, you are sorry. You are accountable, and we will not stand for this.
1: We do all.
0: Yeah, I I think you know a really good subject for a lot of Christians to start studying is what they call the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, Mm -hmm. which is something that was developed back in the early Reformation days. Whenever. a city in Germany was 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 was, was being asked to to uh, to execute its citizens, and the local magistrates defied the, the 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 senior magistrates and said, "No, we're not going to do that."
3: That's the doctrine of, of the, the lesser, lesser magistrates.
0: Magistrate. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a it's a doctrine. I mean, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of study being put into it, and there's a uh, a number of books that have been written. But really, what it's saying it's it's saying to particularly Christians who are in roles of a, of a lesser magistrate, so maybe you're an officer in the law, you are obligated to defy a greater beast or a greater power in order to serve god so uh, if you're given an instruction this is obviously was was confirmed during the you know the nazi war criminal tribunals whereby um you know it wasn't an excuse to say we were following orders you have a conscience you know right but, but what what right from wrong and when you're committing a war crime you have to defy orders that are given to you so what that is saying and this is particularly an issue in in relation to the subject of abortion in terms of nurses and staff, you have an obligation to save life. Uh, So if you know an abortion is taking place or is potentially taking place, you have to do everything within your power to save that life. That's what God commands you to do. It's not an option, no matter of opting out and saying, well, that's actually uh, illegal what I'm doing. God's law is supreme. So you have a responsibility. Now, this starts Within the churches, because this is a as th- a theology that needs to be understood, that needs to be taught by the pastors. Uh, how will the people know <laughs> if they're not taught from the scriptures what they ought to be doing? And sadly, this is what is what we're facing here in Northern Ireland: is that uh, people Christians do not know how to apply the scriptures in their personal work situations. And in, in terms now of now, you want to jump in. Let yeah. me just
3: say this: this is why mm. we're talking about God or government. This is why there is a replacement theology, and we, mm-hmm. we covered this the other day, that it's become flip-flopped, mm-hmm. yep. where instead of God's laws being in control, the powers that think they be have inverted them, so that their laws are in control and God's laws become further down the pecking order. And the unless road. they're challenged, absolutely, they're going to
2: take it as... Absolutely. What I was going to say, I agree with every word spoken and I'm working as much as I can with all the institutions, whether it's um, legal or complaints of criminality, or whether it's um, freedom of information requests to the medical regulator and trying to use what's left of my uh, democratic voice. At the same time, I do question apocalyptically whether we have seen the restraint being removed. Now That's a heavily debated verse. Does it mean the Holy Spirit is at a pre-tribulation rapture? I tend to think it's not. I tend to think it's actually a uh, moral and intellectual restraint, I believe, has already been removed. That's my position. And I think that explains why we saw a paralysis in 2020. And across the board, we've seen medical regulators absolutely fail us. We've seen uh, the legal system not come to our rescue. We've seen the police not come to our rescue. We've seen the education system not come to our rescue. So whilst we oppose and we try to make our voice heard, at the back of my mind, I'm thinking this is pretty serious now based on that.
1: I would say an example under what Wesley was saying about we have an example in the Old Testament of the two Israelite midwives who were commanded by Pharaoh to kill the babies, and they made an excuse going Oh, We get there too late. You know these these Israelite women are so lively, and they're already giving birth before we get there. And it said, and it it marks them out that their families were blessed for not following the dictates of that. So. I mean, there's classic examples, but getting even back to what you were saying about perfect love casts out all fear. Mm. Right. And it talks about in the last days, people, the love of many will grow cold. You know, They'll become lovers of rather than lovers of God, um, boastful and, and all that there. So in that sense, the lack of love has brought in the fear that has just been ramped up. And in a sense, that's a restraint, okay. you know. Mm-hmm love, and God is love, so it's that pulling away of that from people's hearts, for me, is the removing the restraint. You know, the the natural affection a mother has for her own child, and we see terrible cases even this week of abuse of of kids, which is just phenomenal, Mm -hmm. that we would be in these times that such things would happen, but again, Mm -hmm. that restraint of the lack of love for me
2: yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I mean, just across the board, I think we've once again deferred to the government it's our, it seems to be the final authority for many people at the moment, and that may seem like just how it has to be at the moment, but I think ultimately, if it doesn't get turned around, if people don't start putting the word of God as number one, we will face a corporate judgment in the nation and in the church it's happened to Israel, it will happen to the church it's happened to the Jews it will happen to the gentiles it's the same thing
1: exactly
3: okay thank you very much i'm going to move on to question number three is taking the this, this kind of devil's advocate this one um i'm a christian i'm fully vaccinated i'm looking forward to getting my booster this is me playing devil's advocate obviously i haven't taken that's is taking the covid injectables not proof of loving thy neighbor by acting for the greater good
2: well that would assume that um it's a good thing to do in the first place because that's a theory, right? A lot of people have this as an idea. Um, I would strongly argue that it's absolutely not the case because um, there's a lot of novel uh, components to it. It's new technology. It's essentially experimental. It's in its own clinical trials. And when you look at the adverse reaction data, it's extremely worrying. Uh, Not only that, but when you go down to the academic literature and you look at molecular biology, it is absolutely Uh, terrifying in terms of the free circulation of the contents of the vaccine and the contents of the spike protein that's produced by it based on those things and the epidemiological picture which is a story of how the virus itself is going to evolve almost certainly i would say anyone who thinks this is a good thing to take because they've been told to should really think again
3: i like that i'm still going to play devil's advocate but You know I hear all that and that's wonderful but do you not understand we're in a pandemic and millions of people are dying and if we lose a few thousand because of some side effects or another that's isn't that a good thing that we're at least we're trying to protect millions of different people I mean I'm just trying to understand this.
2: Right again it's like this analogy with war which is what we were told in the first place when they said look this is basically going to be a war and in everyone's mind they're thinking four years world war one you know, five, six years of World War II, right? And that's the kind of length of time they want everyone thinking about. So the fact you've still got cases, it's like, well, we're still in the war. However, we can make things far, far worse. So what we're doing, right, is we, we see a lot of cases amongst people who've taken the injection because they're actually likely to increase uh, the infectivity of the dominant strains. This is all known if you go into quasi-species theory, if you go back to the studies on Marek's disease in chickens, that if you use these kind of injections that are non-sterilizing, they don't stop the infection and transmission. You're just gonna have more of the virus. And since it's just a system now with the PCR test, it's all down to, do we have cases? This thing is literally not going to stop anytime. Not only that, but the antibody response uh, starts off immature after your first uh, jab, and it goes up and it gets quite high and then it wanes quite quickly after four and a half and, or six months. And so based on that, you will get reinfections all the time. It's, it's absolutely apparent. So if we're basing it on cases, this thing is literally never going to end.
1: But, but also any remedy or anything that you would try and do shouldn't be as bad or worse than the thing that you're trying to treat. And
3: but it isn't. There's millions and millions of people dying in this pandemic And there's only a few hundred thousand that are dying of the...
1: Well, this is where I'd say the gullibility of people who believe everything that they hear, because if that was the case, and we only have to look back at Europe during the Black Death, but they estimate a third of the population died. Now, that was before vaccines, that was before even hygiene was known and about bacteria and different other things. So people got through that with lack of knowledge and doing things that were actively spreading it and making it worse. I think we can get through this with much more knowledge. And again, we're getting back to the, the, the whole point of should we be doing more harm or the same amount of harm for something that has a 99% survival rate?
2: And there's a metric for that. It's all cause mortality. Very simple. You just want to see, well, are people dying who take this thing or more so, or people dying who don't take this thing, the placebo group? So it's a very competitive space right now with the statisticians right um but if you just go back to clinical trials of Pfizer for example very very simple you look at a document that came out I think it was the 8th of November um 21 people died in the jabbed group 17 in the placebo group yeah. so you do what they do just use a relative ratio relative risk increase of vaccination you get 23.5 percent so according to clinical trial data that's the relative risk increase of death and surely That's like the ultimate metric. How many people are dying in this group versus that group? So if we base it on that, um, the clinical trial data doesn't give us any indication that this thing's saving lives.
1: We're we're back to the old acronym of FEAR, fear, false evidence appearing real. And it's, it's that whole aspect of they keep talking and talking this up. But when you actually go and look for the evidence, there's barely anything there. It's like a paper tiger. You know, you're going... OK, if if this was as bad as what it is, why are the hospitals at their lowest ever rate of, you know, of people coming in? And people go, but they're under pressure. And they kind of are because they've taken out 13,000 beds. So there's less beds than ever before. And certain areas are under pressure because of the protocols, not because of the actual thing itself, but because of the measures. So they always play this, there's, there's like a half-truth that's always going on, um, but people don't look at the wider context as to what else could be causing.
3: Do you see what you're saying about the, 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 the body of Christ taking a short-term view of life, yeah. I, I had a, an NHS person come to me today, a neighbour, and she's self-isolating for 10 days just because her boyfriend tested positive. Now she's in kidney dialysis and she goes around homes and stuff, and she was all smiling and joking, saying, "Now she's got ten days off to do what she wants, fully paid, mm-hmm. fully paid, ten days off." That's why they're struggling. Yeah, really. That's, because that's you've why
1: incentivized. human nature. Always responds to incentives. We all do, you know. But
3: this is short term. She doesn't realise that she's now part of the problem. Yeah, and the NHS is struggling and creaking and groaning because it can't staff what it's doing. Same
1: Especially with the furlough. Know. You know, people are getting free money for for doing barely anything, eighty mm-hmm. percent. But not thinking that, oh, they'll make sure that you'll pay that back, multiple.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. And I mean, I, I, I think what it has opened up, it has opened up the caverns of hell yeah. <laughs> on the world because what it has done, it has just completely thrown away all sense of restraint and normal behaviour in people and um, a- allowed, um, you know, all sorts of corruption. you know separately to the even the COVID situation whereby and i know in a lot of government departments and in a lot of businesses you know problems that are nothing to do with covid are being blamed on covid yeah. it is the greatest cover for all sorts of evil going on um, but getting back to the question, for me certainly, you know, the 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 concept of loving your neighbor, and I think this is something, you know, at the very start of of the whole vaccine situation, for me, it was very much, you know, this was an abortion <coughs> tainted vaccine. It's not even on the agenda. I don't even need to study it any further. Um, if, if there's if there's a connection to abortion, for me, it sh- and, and for all Christians, it should be a no no. And um, that and that sadly was missing from the church's analysis of any of any or any discussion, whenever whenever they were considering whether to take the abortion or to recommend it, and I think it's such a perverse, you know, ver, perverse concept to use. But talking about loving your neighbour, well, what about your unborn neighbour? What about those children who have died, who are part of the process? And this isn't just a remote connection back to a abortion. 30, 40 years ago, people like to say, it's just remote, it's just remote. No, no, there's a massive uh, trade in, in biomedical material fetal babies. And, and it's, it's, it's today, this, this is not, people like say, well, what about slavery? Well, what about all these lovely estates you go to visit and they were built on the, on the lives of slaves, you shouldn't go to visit there? Well, uh, yes, but there's no slave, the slavery's abolished today. <laughs> Nobody's in, in slavery today, whereas in, in our country, in Britain, babies are dying every day. Uh, and and their bodies are being used in this wicked wicked trade. So we should have we should. This was an opportunity for the church to say no. Uh, first of all, let's look for an ethical vaccine, and then and then let's even go from there and and look at the wider pictures. But sadly, no. Everything was just capitulation, fear, speed, uh, and 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 now we're left with these with the consequences. And
1: surely loving your neighbour would include telling them the truth.
3: Yes, you'd like to think so
1: you know so if people are afraid of not loving their neighbor by not doing this surely they sh- they should be concerned about listening to deception and lies and whatever the hearsay is mm-hmm. you know that for me is not loving your neighbor either when you just blindly follow and don't investigate
3: is is it the case that truth comes in many variants and that these people who are T- perhaps telling their neighbours that they really, for the greater good, should go and get their injections, they actually believe that they're telling the truth because they've bought the lie. Not only have they bought the lie, they've internalised the lie, and now they're regurgitating the lie, as if it was their truth. So it's a form of truth, but it's their truth, but it's not the truth.
1: Well, that's, that's the whole point that like we said before, about getting back to how people think their are hermeneutics, how, how they construct their arguments. There's logical fallacies, and we all can be guilty of it and susceptible to it, but it's being aware of that and then making active steps to avoid that. And that's what we don't see any effort in people doing. They just assume, there's a pride element, they just assume that they're right.
2: Well, what we've seen, I think, is a bit of a sort of step change, and I think things have gone back, once again, more like the Old Testament, where we're not hearing from our government um any useful information, not only from a health perspective, but even on the ethical side, and I said this in the summit, that everybody deserves to have the right to know about HEC 293. Everybody deserves to know the history of uh, mRNA technology and the adenovirus DNA, and how they got this thing to market, and all the unethical practices during the clinical trials. And I would say that, in my opinion, there should be a synergy now between those who are exposing the pharmaceutical industry and the pro-life movement. I have seen that synergy coming together. I think it's really one movement because what we're doing is we're exposing the unfruitful works of darkness. And we're exposing the fact that most certainly, Satan is working through the medical and scientific and pharmaceutical uh, industry, which is now a completely global totalitarian system, frankly. And I think it's a watershed moment. And we, we have a dividing line now in terms of what you do with this thing. On the one side, you can just go along with the government and just go along with everything all the way and it will get worse and worse. Or for someone like me who maybe hasn't made a stand before, it's a great opportunity to say, and I said this at the summit, I said, well, I didn't know this before about HEC 293, but isn't this what repentance is? Isn't this repentance, right? I, I, I don't know why it's so hard for people. Like, for me, it's not very hard. I just say, okay, I didn't know. I got it wrong. I was too relaxed. Now I know better. I don't know why it's so hard for people to admit it.
1: Again, Pride? It is. It, go, it goes back to that again, where people would rather see a face than admit that they got it wrong.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think the church has been guilty over the generations of cover up. Oh, massive. <laughs> uh, uh, and we've seen that in in, in all denominations, uh, uh, and but eventually it comes out, and uh, and it 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 leads to catastrophic effects on 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 future generations. And and I think one of the greatest things that we could see at our present time is church leaders repenting on mass, and what, what I mean I think it would like bring revival. I think the world would look on and say, "Goodness, we have seen real Christians here. We've seen people who have been honest and real and but open." That
3: starts at the top. Yes. That starts with well, leaders I, repenting. I think
1: it's a bit of both. I think it happens at the bottom as well, um, because again, if we're waiting for the people at the top, you might as well die now because. <laughs> You know, it's not going to happen. It's up to each individual person to take personal responsibility for their own health, for their own life, for their own choices. Um, They'll have to give an account for themselves, not for, oh, such and such said this and such and such. I'm like, no, no, what did you believe and why did you believe it?
3: And and there's going to be a mixture of people watching this, you know, over the next weeks and months and years. Uh, Some of them are going to agree with us. Some of them are going to go to their leaders and say, I think we were wrong, but I think you were wrong. Can we now talk about this? So, so you're right. You know, bottom and top at the same time, and this is going to reach all sorts of different people. We're just trying to antagonise uh, the people out there to say, talk.
1: Well, we're being watchmen on the wall, calling out. Exactly. You know, blood be upon their own head if they don't. But mm-hmm. can't say they weren't warned. Can't say there wasn't any effort made. Can't say, oh, we just didn't hear about this.
0: You know, I think one of God's predominant themes is mercy. God is merciful; He is not going to turn anyone away. All we have to do is turn and repent, and He will. He He will. He'll bring us back, and He'll bring the church back to the former glory of the Bride of Christ. Um, but if if they continue in this way. Then it is destruction because um, there, you know, if if, if if you have a prideful heart, you know, you're not just fighting against yourself. God's against you, <laughs> and God will bring you
2: down. It's,
1: it's that verse: a haughty spirit yeah. goes before.
2: What I would say as well, picking up what you said, Bestie, there is an office prophesied in the Book of Daniel called the masculine, which is actually those who teach and instruct and give wisdom. One of the things that I think is you're going to see now a lot of people, and I'm already seeing them who are well instructed on matters of health or on politics or on government, who are speaking up and exposing things. So for the pastors, what I would say is, you need to listen to some of the people that God is gonna raise up, because they're there appointed by God to give instruction, to give wisdom. You know, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And especially for a pastor to discern the voice of God, when even if the whole world is telling you, go in this direction, your denominational leaders and the government and the people who pay your bills. But I would caution you absolutely, to consider well those people who risk everything to warn you.
1: And, and they forget a lot of their own denominations started because people went, we're not having this, we're not taking this, we're not taking this teaching, we're not taking this from the government, we're not taking this, we're breaking away. But they're, they're very happy to rest on the laurels of what other people have done. But when it comes to the same situation, they'll, they'll just back down. They, they won't hold up, they'll fold up.
0: I, I think what has happened, is, particularly in this country, is uh, you know, and it's been a, a plan thing over many, many years, where the government has cultivated relationships with the churches, uh, and and uh, there's a kind of an elite group of people who are in, involved in church leadership and, and people who are involved in the government, and and there's a, I, I would say, kind of an unwritten agreement: we do our part, and you do your part. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you you see those people eventually you know they're moving to the house of lords they're moving to high positions well you don't get you don't get those kind of rewards if you're being prophetic in your calling calling the, your government out uh, and calling out on truth and and that's what has been so sadly missing particularly over this last number of years is church leaders calling our government to repentance and, and, and speaking those unpopular things because uh, they are unpopular.
1: And sadly if if people who don't have a good control in this don't stand up you do leave it to the fringes of people who <laughs> make us all cringe and they will bluster and shout and do all kinds of things and you're you're putting your head and your hands going oh, can someone else not better speak up because if you don't fill that vacuum they will and then it creates this environment that no one else wants to speak up in case they get tainted by association with the crazies at the extremes and a lot of things they're saying is right but the way in which they're doing it is just so like nauseating and repulsive you're like, oh, I can't believe no one is sort of pushing that aside, going, settle, calm down. You know, and, and that's what happens. The vacuum will be filled mm. by people who can't so control themselves.
3: Is, where are all those good eloquent speakers that can stand up and say it like it is? You know, I'm, I'm talking to the, the pastors and the ministers and the leaders and stuff. They need to stand up right now.
1: Because it will be filled, again, by either the enemy or by people who call themselves Christians but are just too wacky they're too way way. they're too out there, and it just, it really does put a bad look on the whole thing mm-hmm. because they're the only ones that have the fortitude to speak out.
0: Well, you know, I think in years past, you know, that might have been a reasonable argument to make, but I think things are just so serious now <laughs> that to ignore what is happening is just such a dereliction of your duties. Because actually, this isn't just some remote stuff happening in some kind of you know, FEMA camp in Alabama that you know nothing about. You know, this is happening in our own country. This is happening down your street. This is happening in your school. And what are you saying about it? What are you doing about it? It's not an argument to say, well, I just preach the gospel. Sorry, the gospel is the fullness of the, the body of scripture on every subject. And if you're not teaching and educating your people, Someone else is. And sadly, it's the mainstream media. That's where they're getting their cues from.
2: And, you know, this 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 is just Satan's plan. <laughs> Absolutely. it comes down once again to apocalyptic urgency because it's coming, you sweeps down the age demographic, coming down now to the children, going across the world. You're going to come to Africa and all the countries in Asia. And there's an urgency and a criticality that we have to do something. And so for the pastors, it's like, you don't have two years to go to seminary and figure this thing out. You have to come and consider what we're saying now. You do not have the luxury of years and years and go into a three-year degree and figure it out. You better have an answer one way or the other. Just having silence and saying, well, I just follow, is no answer and it's no leadership. And God will simply raise up a bunch of people to speak into that. I do believe on the positive side, he will he will equip, he will raise, and he'll choose people that man might not otherwise choose. Just like it says in 1 Corinthians, God will choose the weak and despise things to do that. And it's a very serious judgment if it comes to that.
1: Even if I've said this to people over the years, even if this isn't the last days, let's say for the sake of argument, it's another 60, 100 years, whatever. It's your last days. It's my last days. The only reason why in this part of the world we have a semblance of the freedoms that we have is because previous generations fought and stood up and we see this in other countries today who didn't have that and the persecution and the difficulties that they have because there was no investment, there was no sowing in the past of those who stood up and pushed back even a little bit mm-hmm. and were salt and light. Um, so the the bit that we have is sadly waning quite dramatically because they don't know how to be salt and, light.
2: Yeah, and- I heard a great phrase from an Italian medic. She went on um, TV and she said, this is World War Three in your body. And I think that's the level which it's come down to. And again, apocalyptically, it makes sense. It's a dividing line that's come to each and every person globally. Which way do you want to go and why are you going to go that way?
1: It, it reminds me of that verse in the Bible. It talks about trading in the souls of yeah, of men and women. Yeah. 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 And, and the territory, the land that, that's always been wanted is people. Mm. It's never been... The outward physical—it's the people who have those outward physical. So if you have the people, you have everything else as well.
2: And their worship the, yeah. just like it was with, we said earlier with Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted everyone. He wanted the the righteous Jewish people, like Daniel and his Hebrew friends. He wanted everyone.
1: Yeah. Um, it's always been the most coveted after as as people. Hence slavery, unfortunately, even to this day, in certain parts, is still hanging on because it, it's it's the people. they want they can tax them they can use them they can yeah you know
2: and to the enemy in his kingdom like it was with daniel it was like there's this plucky group of hebrews they just won't do it they're just different because god has a separation he has a separation for israel they're my one nation they're the chosen one they're the distinguished one they're the apple of my eye it's the same thing today with god's people with the remnant with the church it's like well we're supposed to be salt and light we have to be different this is going back to the pro-life side even that alone well that's a red line in and of itself. That that's enough. I mean, you don't need to know understand all the science I'm looking into. That's like number one in my opinion. The ethics.
1: I'm I'm just really saying to people like, just stop going to church. Stop calling yourself Christian. Just give up. You know, just stop playing this this game. I'd rather you just go. Just go on and and separate oh, instead oh, oh, don't of be yeah lukewarm. yeah. Don't be right. lukewarm. Just you know, nail your colours to the mask, because it's come to that point where is there actually enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian?
2: Right, work out your salvation with fear and trembling.
1: Yeah, I mean, is there is there enough? Because it really is getting to that point, and people again think it's an extreme situation. That's you're just, you know, come on, it won't get that bad. I think that's
3: very good. I like the tactic there. Yeah.
1: No, it's just you know, I don't see it, and mm-hmm. you you can't judge.
3: It leads us very nicely into the the next question um, about unity. Um, how important is unity between the children of God, and how can believers stay united throughout this obvious? obvious attempt at division.
2: Well, see, my my take on that is someone like me is all for unity. I'll give anybody a hug, right? You can be with this thing or against, I'll give you a hug, I'll be your friend. However, the disunity, the abomination to the Lord, which is those who sow discord amongst the brethren, is not coming from people like me. It is coming from those people who want to institute new and unusual and strange rules and medical practices and do not believe in letting people have a fair and honest risk assessment before they take this thing. They don't want people to know about HEC 293 cell lines and a little 17 week old baby girl in the womb from the Netherlands who has a name and was perfectly healthy or should have a name and we don't know anymore. And the other hundreds of uh, aborted fetal experiments that were used to uh, try to attain the cell line in the first place. So in my opinion, this issue of unity is squarely on those who have brought in the new thing as of 2020. It's not for people on this side, in my opinion.
1: You can't have unity without truth, yeah. and it, it come, keeps coming down. To that you can, oil and water don't mix, you know.
3: So there is going to be a natural yeah. Separation. It's,
1: it's it's a sifting, you know. It you have to it has to happen, you know. The tares may grow at the same time, uh, but I'd rather have that clarity for me. Contrast is the greatest teacher. You know, it's one of those things where you see the boundaries, you know, it, it just becomes all the clear. It's harder to avoid, it's harder to misinterpret, there's no vagueness, there's no ambiguity, it's just, there it is. And this is where we're coming to, it's that point of, we can be all we lovey-dovey and say all these right words, and but everyone has a different definition of what that looks like and what that means. But are we, who are we getting that from? Are we getting it from Scripture, are we getting it from God? Or are we setting our own boundaries and our own standards of what we think that looks like? And again, it's coming back to who calls the shots, who's the authority? And it brings me back to Genesis, again, when it was like, did God say? Didn't actually challenge the words that were said. He just challenged the interpretation. Let me tell you what the actual interpretation of that is. And again, led them off. And this is where we're getting back to rightly dividing the word. You know
3: is this, is this where we have uh, forgive me if I get this wrong, but the verse that says if it were possible, even the very elect yeah. would be to say, C- could we consider ourselves elected? Have we been elected to be Christians? I'm called so yeah. are, we, are we the very elect, and if it were possible, I'm looking at the broader church here, mm-hmm. you know the whole church well, on mass:
1: I don't like the, using well, the word church. it, it, it says ecclesia it means the outcalled
3: So if it were possible, even the very outcalled will be to save yeah well
2: this is the thing right and again i keep coming back to the apocalypse and the dividing line and back to israel because it's exactly the same thing now people say there's only one scripture talks about the mark of the beast right in in the book of revelation Mm -hmm. but no it's not not really actually if you go for the parables of jesus it's there in numerous parables the wheat and the tares um it talks about the evil and unjust steward who allies with the drunks against the good steward we have repeatedly this idea of the dividing line and warnings that there's coming a time when God is going to uh, judge and make a determination upon the people who claim to follow him. The mark of the beast, those verses in Revelation, you know, no man may buy or sell lest he who have the mark, that's just the clarification of what's already there. It's just the same thing with the millennium, it's a thousand years, but it's there in the Old Testament repeatedly. But it's an
1: outward sign of a inward condition. Right. You know, and that's the whole thing of it's, it didn't start there.
2: And again, where's the parallel? Israel, go back 2,000 years. They'd rejected all the prophets. Israel had always been an apostate nation. It was always the tiny remnant that actually followed the prophets, did the right thing. They picked their own kings. Mm-hmm. They went to all the wrong go- gods of the nations. They didn't follow um, God's people. They did the wrong things. What happened? The dividing line came. It came in a different way to what they were expecting. They were not expecting um the suffering servant the way he came same thing here we're not expecting it to be you know maybe through the pharmaceuticals or through a big world government but guess what nobody's going to predict it exactly when it comes and that's where i think we're at now
1: but that's why i get back to what i said at the start when i say to people what do you think it would look like right you know if 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 satan comes as an angel of light you know do you expect them to go? Look, here's the mark. You know, take it. You know, it's it's obviously going to appear as if this is wonderful. It's necessary. You can't live without it. You, you better not ha- You know, be without it. You know, you'll hurt other people if you don't have it.
0: Yeah, I think a key scripture for me is, you know, work out your 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 faith with, you know, your salvation with fear and trembling. And I think that's missing from a lot of Christians, is that real self-examination. Am I really in the faith here? Because I actually need to really make sure that I'm not following some sort of false gospel. Because I think there's a lot of false gospels out there, and we have seen the fruit of it. And Jesus says, look... By their fruits ye shall know them. You just need to look at the fruit of this stuff to realize that this is not Christ-like. This is not what we see in the early church. This is not what we see in the scriptures.
1: Yeah, and if the root is bad, the fruit will be
0: bad.
2: Yeah, and what I've seen, going back to your point, is when I decided to speak out, it was because what I saw, the visions I saw, were so horrific, were so dark, were so troublesome, I was more afraid of being associated with this wicked and evil thing than I was of the risk of speaking out because what does the Lord say? Do not fear those who can kill the body, but fear Him who can cast both soul and body into hell. It's not just you know who do you give creed, um, who do you follow in terms of God or government. It's like who do you fear at the end of the day? Like who do you actually legitimately fear? For me, it's the day of judgment with my Lord. It's like that's a bigger fear than some prison cell from the government.
1: What about the verse that says to abstain even from the appearance of evil? Right. You know has, has people taken that into consideration when you look at these pharmaceutical companies and the repeated decades long abuses and injuries, and again politicians who have lied through their teeth and been encouraged so many times, you know church leaders as well so, so many, and it's like, where does the box stop? When do people say this is enough?
0: Yeah well, you can't have unity with lies. <laughs> And that, you know, and, and, and the gospel dispels lies and, and I mean, let God be true and every man a liar. And that's what I say. <laughs> yeah. No matter the consequences, the truth is the truth. And the truth is the only thing that's going to set you free. And If you believe in a lie, you are in the devil's snare and you'll never because increasing lies upon lies will take you away from the truth, you know, and, and uh, you know, and rejected light brings darkness. That's just always been a scary thought for me. If I see something and I know it's true and, and I somehow reject it, I, I, I can't get before the Lord and say, Lord, show me the next truth. It's not going to happen. You know, God, that, that, that. And this has been a big sort of curve for me in terms of coming to the truth about this, that, that actually, if you don't accept it, actually, this is a dividing line for believers. You have got to take a stand. Don't worry about the consequences. God will sort it out. Don't worry about who you upset or who you offend. You're on the right side of history. God's with you. But don't, whatever whatever happens, do not be on the wrong side of this. Because mm-hmm. I can tell you, it is not going to
1: end well. And the scripture it says, If the truth in which you have is actually darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, and this is where is that we're that at. Again, Paul? If the truth in which you think you have is actually darkness, how great is that darkness?
3: Yeah, yeah that, that one's thinking...
1: And that is where we're at, where people think they have the truth, yeah. but it's actually darkness. And it's so great.
0: I, I, I mean, I, I was shocked. I listened to some pastors, you know, a, online, and I was just checking some churches out. And they were praying for these Christians to, who are not vaccinated, to, you know, to, to God would challenge them to love their neighbours and to get vaccinated right today. And I, I just thought, well, my goodness, how on earth can you say that? How on earth can you believe that? How on earth can you say that to your people? I mean, that is just so... I can understand a pastor saying, I don't know. I don't know the answer. You just have to seek God. Even the but very elect. Even the very elect. Yeah. But, to, to, but to promote something without knowing the truth about it, God is going to hold you to account. And I think there's a big reckoning coming. There's a big accounting coming for... But praise God. I think the, the, the outcome's good here because God is going to do something amazing through it.
2: But... It's not going to be easy. Absolutely. And just to be very simple, if somebody's not taking this thing by now, there's been enough marking for this thing. I think they know what it is. I think it's pretty clear to say they don't want it. So if you're a pastor, if you're a Christian leader and you're putting pressure on somebody, um, that's pretty seriously bad in my opinion. That Maybe they don't have the constitution to stand up for themselves if you keep pummeling them with this stuff and you're using your spiritual authority to bear down on them. I'd say you're getting into extremely dangerous judgment territory. And I would suggest anyone in that position immediately retracts their position, because that, in my opinion, is a very, very severe thing to, to claim that you know what's best for that person, for their health, for the spirit,
1: right. right. It keeps going back, a holy spirit goes before a fall and pride before destruction.
2: And, and, why, and why do people say they know what's best? Because they haven't, are they, are they a researcher who's independently verified all the pharmaceutical clinical trials? Are they someone who understands epidemiology? Have they looked into molecular biology? If they haven't, what on earth are they doing? It's just because they trust the government or they trust something they've heard. That is extremely significant in my opinion.
1: But naturally, enough, they're going to throw that back at us. They're going to say, it well, it's because of something you've heard or something you've read. Are you, are you qualified in all these areas? No. But that's the whole point of you weigh up both sides and people haven't exercised that muscle people haven't been encouraged to do that over the years they're even afraid to bring in other false doctrines and explain to people why they're false just, just stay away from that say this is the truth and so you know so people aren't engaging their faculties and understanding why it's wrong they're they're so afraid even to investigate
0: yeah and I mean I know a church uh, council met over the summer in their denomination and this was brought up for discussion, and they just shelved it. They just shelved it, and they wanted to talk about, you know, every other thing under the sun. But they else, but not, this. But they didn't want to talk about this. Yeah. And this is like the elephant in the room. And 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 what are you doing as a as a church if you're not speaking to the big issues of life and society? You're talk You're living in an unreal world. And in fact, actually, I'm afraid. I I, I think you know you're very close. To, to that point where Jesus says, "Look, do, do I really even know you? Are you, you know, and and, and God only knows the heart. Mm-hmm. But what I'd say is if folks see the truth, those who are truly the Lord's, they will respond to it. Those who are not, will reject it. And that, that's a scary thing, but that's, that's where we're at. And there is, this dividing line is heading right across families, churches, mm-hmm. fellowships. Yeah, I
3: agree, we're gonna have to move on to the next question there. Um, is it time for Christians to prepare to go underground? in this time when governments in the West are becoming increasingly totalitarian? You
1: no, know, the elites go underground. They've got their bunkers. Uh, <laughs> as, it, as it talks about that they'll hide under the stones and the rocks and uh, from the, the fierce wrath of the judgment to come. Uh, again, I look back on the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know, we're going to die at some point. I'd rather take my stand and, and die on this hill. Um, it doesn't mean that you will I mean we have to look at Israel everyone around them in Egypt was collapsing and falling and and yet they weren't so there is is precedent for what we're saying but I think of any time that we should be a city on a hill and not go underground it should be now because we have a hope we know that in the end it does work out good but it will get worse before it gets better but That's why we should be ready in season and out of season, to give an account, to give an explanation as to why we have hope when the darkness is all around. And just like Jesus had said, peace I give on, do you notice the world gives it? Because people think peace is when your outward circumstances are good and peaceful, there's peace. But he was coming and saying regardless of that, it's what's within you determines your peace. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to put that across and go We're at peace, we have no fear.
2: Yeah, in terms of urgency, and I believe this for the last five years, I've looked quite a lot into um, the apocalypse in terms of the timings, and I've believed very strongly that we will see the Lord's return very, very soon. And I base that on a number of things, but including the prophecies of Hosea, which talks about, for two, yom. Now, yom can be a day in Hebrew, but it's, it's often qualified as a time period. So in Genesis, it's evening and morning, which tells us it's a solar day. But Yom can also be a year or it can be uh, a month. It can be a different period of time. It depends if it's qualified. Now, in Hosea, it's not qualified. It just says, for two Yom, um, he will return to his place, which is the Messiah return to his place. And then in the third Yom, the third day, we will live before him in his sight. Now, I and many others believe that this alludes to the fact that for 2,000 years, 1,000 being Yom, Uh, Israel will be apart from their Lord as he returns to the right hand of the Father where the Messiah is. And then in the next thousand years, Israel will live at peace with their Messiah, which is the millennium. So if you go back and you look at the timings, you think, well, the Lord went to the cross, and people debate the exact year, but approximately the year 30 AD. Some say a bit later or a bit earlier, approximately 30. That means the times are pretty soon, according, if you take that interpretation of Hosea. So I just would add that to the mix as well. Yeah. I mean,
0: I I certainly think, you know, in terms of, you know, Christians needing to go underground, I don't think we're at that stage. I think we can be pretty open about what we're doing. (laughs) We still have certain freedoms. And I think if you find it hard to speak up now, then you're not anywhere ready for what's coming down the line. So now is the time to speak up. And it's now the time to go and speak to your Christian friends and fellowships and neighbours and and educate them and warn them of what's going on. And say it's time to take a stand and it's time to band together against this tyranny that is coming. For it is coming and it's coming very quick. It's already here. So um, I I, I think that is, is something that we need to definitely prepare for um i i i don't think we need to just go and and start digging bunkers just yet <laughs> and, and 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 you know that but that may come that may come uh, and uh you know we just need to be what use a lot of wisdom and discernment in this and and yet we have to have love and compassion if we come across that we told you so, or we're, we're here judgmental. We're not, we're, we're calling out a, a, an alarm out of love and compassion and saying, Look, please, please, for the sake of your soul and your families, take a stand. Believe the truth. God has a plan and purpose here for us, and it's a great plan.
3: Thank you. Um, right, last question here, because we've got to wrap up. We've been over an hour. Um, finally, what Bible passages speak genuine hope into the present darkness?
2: You could be here at where <laughs> i mean i have an apocalyptic one it's not for maybe right now but it's something to think about which is in revelation 12 when it talks about you know to the church you should rejoice because um he who accused you day and night has been cast down now i take the position this will be during the apocalypse when the devil is cast out of heaven where he's currently accusing us and he has access and that accuses our consciences and and affects us with guilt and things like that, that we can look forward to a time spiritually where although it will get much worse on the earth because he will come down here and his will have great wrath, he'll have a short time and he will indwell the antichrist, the beast. But at the same time, it will mean that we'll have a lot more power and freedom because no longer will our consciences be accused. And I say this to say that even as things get darker in terms of there's more persecution, I believe will come and there's more um, tyranny I look forward to that and know actually there's a day of freedom coming when that event happens
1: again like christ for the joy set before him he endured the suffering and the shame of it and it's the same for us I and mean, we are called as it says it's only those that partake in his sufferings shall be co-heirs with him and i feel that this is the whole part of it you know you were warned, you were told, you would endure trials and tribulations, suffering for my sake.
2: And, and they say in the New Testament that they uh, rejoice, that they were considered worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. And one of the things that came to me in the, in the summer when I first started to get called, was I was thinking, Lord, this is a chance to expose evil. I thought, and a lot of people are doing it, but most people aren't doing it in Jesus' name. I thought, wow, I can do this in Jesus' name and you can take the glory for it. And that's what I saw. And that's something I'm trying to convey to a lot of people. I'm trying to explain to people when I talk to them. Do you know this is an opportunity not only to oppose evil, number one, that's a good thing, to get on the right side of history, number two, do it in Jesus' name, give him the glory.
0: Yeah, I think for me, you know, it's perfect love casteth out fear. It's the love of the brethren, the love of the unity of God's people. This is what's going to be seen. And that's what's going to cast out all the fear. And, and, and this sifting time this is it is definitely a a time of sifting a time of 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 introspection and looking at our hearts and lives but I think what is going to come throughout of it is is a greater love for each other a greater you know and a, I mean a genuine love of of the times that we're living in and the opportunities that we have we have some tremendous opportunities to awaken and to see people saved this is what it's all about you know it's is to, to, to bring people from that place a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. People who are living their lives happily, no thought of God, no thought of eternity, suddenly their world is falling apart. And who's the answer? It's us, it's the Christians. So I, I see a great great time of hope ahead, but yet, don't worry, it's going to be challenging and there's going to be lots and we need to spend a lot of time in prayer and fellowship and discussion and studying these things out and really coming together before the Lord and get answers.
3: Yeah, that's very good, Wesley. Thank you. Um, What do we understand by the phrase, you know, because Christ said you're going to be hated by the world But don't worry about that Rejoice because I've overcome the world
2: What do we understand by that? Well, for me, it would be I think you mentioned earlier bestie about, you know, they love not their lives unto death and this idea that True victory is not being afraid in the face of death and not balking in the face of the enemy and to (coughs) me if you can be more afraid of god and more afraid of meeting your lord on that day and you know not having uh nothing to show him for one in terms of works, you want to have something to say i i i here's my talent back or here's my five talents or my 10 talents and secondly that you stood up for the lord in that time you, you stood and you fought spiritually for the lord and i think that's a victory when when, when everybody's telling you to do something that God isn't with, and everyone's telling you to go a different direction. Now, a person can resist on their own strength, but God doesn't get the glory for that. But if you resist in Jesus' name, and you're doing it through prayer and through fasting and through all the spiritual things that give God glory, and it's evident to the entire world that everything you're doing is through his strength, actually, Jesus is getting glory through your life. And I think that's a glorious thing and, and a wonderful thing. And that's victory because the enemy didn't work. He didn't take you out.
1: I was saying that from the point of view of faith is a synonym of trust. And it gets back to faith and works. I will show you my faith, my trust, by the works in which I do. And it's it's that whole point of we will be tested. You know, If if you genuinely have it in your heart, it'll overflow. By the bones of the heart, the mouth speaks and the hands do and, and everything shows forth the fruit of that. And I think that's where the hope is there. That even though we're being persecuted, even though it looks bad and it's negative, a bit like um, when Christ, the symbolism of him at the um, Gethsemane, being crushed, you know it means an oil press where the oils are crushed. You know when we're put under pressure and crushed, what comes out of us? You know what what comes forth when we're put under pressure, and that's what. Is the hope and the opportunity that what comes out is of the spirit of of Christ, the mind of Christ? So I think there's great hope in in the fact that we can show forth that we are clay vessels that have treasures within it. And when the clay vessels are broken, what comes forth? You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I I think, yeah. Well, I think, you know, true Christianity is always going to be hated. Um, And, and, uh, you know, I think you have to really question yourself if you're getting a lot of accolades from the world. and from the system, uh, as to really what is your calling. Um, now it's all done in love, and it's all done in compassion, but I think you know, the, 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 this is a, a battle between good and evil. There is only two sides here. There is no middle ground, and you're either in one or the other, and that is hard for some people to accept. They want to be friends with everybody, and that includes a lot of Christians. They don't want to upset this interest group, or that interest group, or this... Jesus says, Look, who who are you following? Is choose it day. choose this day who you're gonna serve? Right. And I think that's the question for, for all of us in these days.
1: What to I, answer correctly. What I would there. say lastly is I love everyone. Mm-hmm. There's people I love to be close to and people I love to be way, way far distant mm-hmm. from. So you can love everyone but it's just in different ways. That's
3: a little bit like the story <laughs> of uh, everybody brightens up a room. Some people when they enter and some people, people when, when they, they leave. leave. Yeah. very good well listen thank you very much Um, I think basically you know because we're calling this God a government you know who's calling the shots then I think people need to make a decision you know who are they serving are they really serving their government or are they really serving their God Tuesday this day exactly Tuesday this day thank you very much thank you guys for turning up bless you looking forward to part 3 Watch and listen for free on YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow us on Telegram and Facebook for more information.